in your sight. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Today, I want to talk about what's more important, character or reputation? Character or reputation? Who believes that character is more important than reputation or reputation is more important than character? Character, let me get a poll. If you say character is more important than reputation, raise your hand. If you say reputation is more important, raise your hand. Okay, we got some that says they're the same thing. All right, let me, let me just kind of break this down for you. Um, think about a restaurant or either you hear a restaurant has a bad reputation. They, you know, they serve bad food. Um, you go in there and somebody has actually gone in there. Maybe you haven't gone in there, but they said that don't, don't go there because, you know, they don't cook the meat well. Are you going to go to that restaurant? Somebody said, no, you're right. You're not going to go because of the reputation, because of what somebody told you. You don't know whether it's true or not, but because somebody told you about it, you make a decision based upon what somebody told you. So that person or that, that restaurant has a bad reputation. Same thing with the business. If you know that a business is, is, is uh, uh, uh Say, for instance, a bank or somewhere is, you know that they have people or said that people are embezzling money. They don't know how to handle money. You're not going to put your money in that bank. Now, you don't know what the the behind the scenes dealing is on that bank, but you are going to go based upon what somebody told you. So you say, no, I'm going to put my money somewhere else. So um, a lot of times we've heard the phrase, your reputation precedes you or it goes before you. Have y'all ever heard of that? Your reputation precedes you. So in other words, your reputation, people perceive you and people see you based upon your reputation. A lot of times when you go for a job interview, they don't really know you. They're looking at your resume. They're looking at your job application, what you, what you put on that job application. And so, therefore, they're hiring you based upon their reputation of what they're seeing, what you presented yourself to be. And then three or four months down the road, come to find out, it's like, oh, my God, who did I hire? What in the world? See, what happens is people and things are based upon reputation, but then after a while, the real you is going to come out. You ever seen it? You have somebody in your home and they all smiling and nice and all of a sudden you're like, what in the world has happened? They done turned into a whole nother person. So let's look at what reputation means. Um, let me read Revelations 3 and 1. Revelations 3 and 1. It says, write this letter to the, it's pretty much it's, I write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. It says, this is the message from the one who has the seven soul, soul, sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. My goodness. Then it says, verse 2, it says, wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. And I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of God. Go back to verse 1. It says that you have the reputation for being alive. But your what? Reputation for being alive. 
but you're dead. What is reputation? Reputation is what people think you are and what you've led them to believe. You've led them to believe that you're sweet. You led them to believe that you're, you're kind. You led them to believe that you have an open heart. People, your reputation is what you have led people to believe about you. You understand that, young people? Yes? Reputation. But your character is what and who you really are. It's who you are when nobody's looking. When you walk outside of these church walls, who are you? When you are out of your parents' presence or when you're out of the presence of authority, who are you? When you're in the dark, who are you? Turn to somebody and say, who are you? Who are you? Your character is who you really are. And John Wooden said, your reputation is what you're perceived to be by others, but character is what you really are. You're the only one who knows your character. You can fool others, but you can't fool yourself. You can fool me. You can say, hey, Pastor Wendy, you know, I, hey, I'm so loving, I'm so kind, but you can't fool yourself. You know, deep down inside, you may be nasty. You may have an attitude. You may be upset. You may have backbiting. You may have unforgiveness. You can't fool yourself, and you can't fool God. So let's look at a character in the Bible that had a great reputation, but he had one problem. He had one problem, and that's in 1 Kings, the king of Solomon. And 1 Kings says that the queen of Sheba heard about Solomon and his connection with God. Let me stop right there. There are people that are hearing about you because of your connection with God. There are people that are looking at you because of your connection with God. Because you say that you come to open altar worship center. People are looking at you and saying, what is it about them? I'm looking at you because they go to church every Sunday. So I'm looking at them because they're going to church and I perceive, my, my perception is, is that they have a connection with God because they come to church every Sunday at 10 o'clock. So they got a connection with God. And so, with the name of God, and so it said that the Queen of Sheba came to put his reputation to the test. Because people have a perception and, the, and your reputation is, is that I have a connection. So people are going to come and try to put you to the test. Because you got a connection. And so it said that Queen Sheba made this grand and showy entrance. It's like, yeah, you know, hey, I'm coming with all of my grand. They're not, when somebody comes to you, when the enemy comes to you, he is not going to come to you looking all bad, broke, and disgusted. He's going to come looking good. He's going to come with everything he's got. He's going to dress it up. He's going to make it look good. At first, it's going to be like, this is everything. Yes, I can do this. It's not that easy. I can let this go. So in other words, Queen Sheba came with all of her array. And then it said in verse 3, it says, Solomon, she put things to Solomon. She emptied out her heart because she had heard of Solomon's reputation for wisdom and being able to be successful. He had a great reputation. And so Solomon, it said that she answered, he answered everything that 
she put him to, that uh, she had given unto him and said unto him. Verse 4, it says, when the queen of Sheba experienced for herself Solomon's wisdom and saw with her own eyes the place he had built, the mills were served, the impressive array of courts, officials and sharply dressed waiters, the lavish crystal and the elaborate worship extravagant with whole burnt offerings at the steps leading up to the temple of God. It took her breath away. Reputation. What people, what, what Queen Sheba thought of Solomon, that he was great, that he was wonderful, he had everything going on. People look at us and say, oh, you know, they got it going on. They're great, but they don't know what you've been through. They don't know what you've had to deal with. They don't know the struggles. But yet, on the outside, you have it like you got it all together. I'm successful. I've been working on a job for 30 years. And it's like, it's great. It's grand. But I, uh, just over the last couple of months, I realized that I have been working on a job and the job can be very, very stressful. So on the outside, I got to put on a smile, but deep down on the inside, it's stress. It's tearing me up sometimes. And so I'm like, oh my God, but every, everybody, oh, you got a great job. You work down on the base. Yeah, okay, I do. Got a good paycheck. It's all right. And so in other words, it said that... Um, She said to King, it's all true. Your reputation for accomplishment and wisdom that reached all the way to my country has been confirmed. But Solomon had the appearance of being alive, but yet he was dead. Let's go to chapter 11. What was his problem? What was King Solomon's problem? Said that King Solomon was obsessed with women. He had it all going on. He had the reputation of being great. But his character. Was that he was obsessed with women. His character was. That he had a lustful spirit. His character was. That he looked at women in the wrong way. And I'm not bashing anybody. But King Solomon had it going on. And we got it all going on. But deep down in the inside, we're dealing with some anger. Deep down on the inside, we're dealing with some some bitterness. Deep down on the inside, we're dealing with some, I can't let it go. Deep down on the inside, we're dealing with, Lord, I don't think nothing much of myself. We look like we got it going on. We're like King Solomon, but yet, King Solomon, you look like you're alive, but yet, you're dead. So it says King Solomon was obsessed with women and because of his connection, he was connected. As he began to get connected in his obsession, he did not take care of his obsession. He began to connect himself with these women and among these women. And let's look at um, let's look at verse two. Um, It says that he took them from surrounding pagan nations of which God had clearly warned Israel, you must not marry them. They'll seduce you into infatuations with their gods. Solomon fell in love with them anyway, refusing to give them up. What is it that you're refusing to give up? What is it that we're refusing to give up and we're connecting ourselves with? 
That person we're afraid to give up because, oh, they just soothed me so well. I'm in love with him and I can't let him go. But yet you're, you got the wrong connection. And it says that he took them from the surrounding and he married them. Knowing that they would seduce him to worshiping their gods. He had a connection with the God of gods. But the one problem, his, his obsession with women led him astray. My God. And then it says God was furious in verse 9. It says that God was furious with Solomon for abandoning the God of Israel, the God who twice appeared to him. Verse 10, and it said, and had so clearly commanded him not to fool around with other gods. Solomon faithlessly disobeyed God's order. Faithlessly disobeyed. He did not have trust and faith in the word of God. God had done great things for him, but yet, he allowed these women to lure him away. And so God said in verse 11, it said, God said to Solomon, since this is the way that you want to be, this is the way it is with you. So since you want to do your own thing, fine, you can do your own thing. Go right ahead. But what I'm going to do is, and you don't have no intention of keeping a relationship with me. You want to you wanna sit here and go out here and do everything that you want to do and you don't have no intention of keeping a relationship with me? Well, then therefore I'm going to rip this kingdom from you and hand it over to someone else. The blessings that God has for you, when you fail to follow him, he's going to rip them from your hands and give them to somebody else. When he sees that you have no desire to serve him, when you have no desire to follow him, those blessings that God had in store for you, he will rip them away from you. Do y'all believe that? Some of the doors that will be kept closed because of our disobedience, we let the doors be wide open. And so sometimes we wonder why our car is breaking down because we open the door that God said you need to keep shut. We wonder sometimes why our money looks funny. It's because sometimes we open the door where God said that I want you to shut that door. Sometimes we wonder why nothing is good is happening to us because God said I need for you to loose that connection that you're with. Loose that person that you're hanging around with because they are opening doors and you are becoming more like them. So I got to rip it away from you. Because I don't need for you to have a reputation that you're connected with me. When you're not, you're connected to the small G-O-D. So let's get some life points. Point number one. How do we deal character versus reputation? Reputation is what? Is what people, come on, come on, talk to me. What people think. Character is what? It's who, it's who we really are. Character is who we are. And so, number one, the first thing that we have to do, we got to be concerned about pleasing God instead of people. We can go all through life trying to please people. Trying to please even ourselves. But is God really pleased with our life? And I, 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 I had that problem. I, I would find myself sometimes saying yes 
When I go off and I'm like, why did I say yes? I really meant no. But because I did not want to deal with what this person may have said, I did not want to deal with if this relationship didn't go right. I said yes. And I walked away feeling like, man, I I don't want to do this. I should have said no. And then I find myself doing something that I don't even really want to do because of the mere fact I was, I was more concerned about pleasing the person than pleasing God. Y'all find yourself in that situation sometimes? Sometimes, for the sake of getting ahead, Pastor Robert gets on me too. It's like I'll go in a store pick up something let's just and I'll get all the way to the back of the store and what I picked up was at the front of the store and so I'm like no I don't want this so I'm going to set it right here where I, in the back I don't go back and put Pastor Robert was and he used to tell me you need to go put that back well now what he does is he just picks it up and he just goes well, I'm like where you going I'm going to put this back where you got it But the Holy Spirit sometimes, and I'm saying sometimes, sometimes he's like, now you know you need to go put that back. Why are you putting more work on the, on, the, on, the, on the store personnel? How many of you have done that before? A shopping cart. You take a shopping cart, and instead of putting the shopping cart in the little rack, you're like, oh, I'm going to just put it right here. Just leave it in the middle of the parking lot. Holy Spirit is like, you know you need to go put that back. And so, Sister Thelma said, I always do. I ain't going to say I always do. I'm getting in the habit of it. I'm learning how to do it. But I don't always do it. But I'm learning as I get that conviction, as I feel like, you know what, as I, you hear that voice down on the inside saying, now you know you ought not did that. That means that that's the Holy Spirit dealing with you, saying that you need to get this right. So be concerned about pleasing God more than other people. Let's look at a scripture real quick. Galatians 1 and 10 says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings? Am I trying to win the approval of you, Brother Tao? You ain't got nothing to give me. Why am I trying to win your approval? Am I trying to win your approval, Brother Dashiell? You can't do nothing. Why am I trying to win the approval of of men, Paul says, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Who makes them, who, who, who is the greatest? Is man or is God? God made man, so why am I concerned about what you think about me? And it says, or am I trying to please people? It says, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. So in other words, when you try to please people, God's looking at you and saying, they're more important. That person's more important. What's more important? And we get caught up in what people think about us. Point number two, we want to be accepted, young people. Want to be on the in crowd, so if they got an attitude, I'm going to get an attitude with them. I, I wasn't, you know, even me growing up, sometimes, I mean, it's like not me, because I was always the one that everybody wanted to fight. I don't know why, because I, I, I want a fighter. 
So they would just get mad with me and, the other, and all of a sudden now you know you got all these people against you and one person may have had a problem with you and, and told the rest of them so their reputation is, yeah, she did such and such. So now you got ten people against you. They don't even know why they, they upset with you. But they went along because of what that one person said. And there are times that we go along with what people do and say because of the mere fact we want to be the ones accepted. We don't want to be the one that stands out. We don't want to be the one that says, you know what, I forget this mess. I, I, you know, I ain't got time for all of this. I'd rather stay here by myself than to be over here with this mess here, this drama, this click. I don't have time for clicks. You got to get to the point to where you say, I don't have time for clicks. That bad girl, that bad boy attitude, I don't have time for this. Because I'm a servant of the most high God. So number two, let's look at another thing that God says. We got to wake up. Wake up. What do I mean wake up? It says that we have to work on our character, not our reputation. Spend more time working on your character. How do you work on your character? You go before God and say, God, what is it about me that displeases you? Show me me. Show me my attitude. Show me what you see of me. Show me God. And when God shows it to you, you've got to be willing to say, Lord, here I am. I see it, God. I see, Lord, my impatience. I see, Lord, my anxiety. My, I'm anxious. The Bible says be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication, make your request made un, or known unto God. So therefore, I don't need to be anxious for what's going to happen tomorrow. If God shows me that I'm worrying about something too much, worry is not of God. Amen. Worry is of the devil. So we got to give that worry and that concern to God. He said, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you much. Whatever you're going through. He said, wake up. Wake up. And then he says, number three. He says, strengthen what little remains. What little remains. Strengthen what little remains. For it says, change doesn't happen overnight. What is it that God's saying, I want to work on this in? So what? You ain't get it today. Try again in the next hour. You ain't get it this minute. Try again. You keep on doing it until you see that long-lasting change. Strengthen what remains for Three, uh, 12B, 2B says, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of God. We strengthen what remains by surrendering everything to God. Allow God's transforming power to do a work in us. Say, God, transform my mind. Transform my thinking. Transform my attitude. Help me to wake up and see what, what time it is. Help me to wake up, God. Do something in me. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, my brethren, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Don't be conformed, young people. To this world. Don't be conformed to your friends. 
Don't be conformed to those who are around you. You stand out. Be willing to be different. The Bible says that I knew you. I formed you. And I called you for a specific purpose. So because he called us, it means that we're not going to fit into somebody else's mold because they didn't do the calling. God called us. They said be transformed by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and attitudes. Focus on God. So I got a little demonstration as I close. And I need for somebody to to bring my cross up here. The scripture says that you look alive, but you're dead. This plant is green. When you see something that's green, it means that it's what? It means that it's alive, right? It appears it's wilted, but it's still Got some life in it. So the Bible says in Revelations, it says, wake up. Wake up, plant. Wake up, Wendy. Strengthen what remains. But I need you first. Come stand right here. I I need you first. To get rid of your pride. In order for you to strengthen what remains, let go of your pride. Well, Lord, I didn't know that was in there. But God revealed to you that it's pride. And it's blocking, blocking you from getting down to the nutrients that you need to get to. Getting down to where you can grow. But then he says also, Wendy, you remember how you were jealous? You remember how you were jealous over when somebody got a new car and you didn't get a new car? And you say, God, well, I've been working hard. I've been serving you. Why I didn't get a new car? And so I'm jealous of this person. I'm jealous because God is moving in their life some kind of way. And so I'm not happy with where God has me at. And so God says, and I asked him, Lord, transform me. God, I, I, I am dealing with all of them. I don't have those. Well, now I got a lion spirit. God said, I told you you got pride. I told you you're jealous. And you tell me, I know you, I created you. Now you need to deal with your lion spirit. Well now, Lord, I'm just upset. I'm upset because I ain't getting treated right. I'm just angry and mad. And so now, I'm dealing with some bitterness. Holding on to stuff. Won't let it go. (laughs) And it's making me bitter. Not only is it making me bitter, but it's making me angry. To where I'm like, God, (laughs) I 
I don't even want to read. I don't even, uh, forget it. I ain't got time for all of this. I don't care what these people think. So now, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't, I'm not worried about pleasing anybody. So now I begin to walk in selfishness. I don't care what nobody thinks. Leave that one there. So you hurt me? You talk bad about me? That hurt me. I don't like you. So now I'm walking in unforgiveness. You done did this to me three years ago. You did it more than one time. But I can't let it go. And it's cutting me so deep that I got so much hurt in me. And I can't let it go. God, why did you let this happen to me? Why did you let this happen to my loved one? And so now I'm stuck in all of this. And I don't think I have to do right no more. So I'm just going to walk out here and I'm just going to cheat. I'm going to just take everything that I can take. I ain't going to worry about it. I'm going to cheat people now. And so God said, strengthen that remains. All of that's gone. You had one more barrier. You put such a shield, but you failed to look at the mirror. And say, Lord, I'm blaming everybody else for what's going on. But I need to look in the mirror, God. And say, Lord, fix me. Lord, work on me. Lord, amidst all of that, I was blaming everybody else. But it was really me. It was really me. And so God said that when you come to yourself, now I can plant you into the nutrients of the ground. Now I can cause you to begin to grow again. I can put you down where the nutrients are. When you get rid of and you begin to see you, God said I can plant you into some fresh soil. I can can, uh, 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 fertilize you. I can water you. I can cause you to come back to life again. I can cause you to grow again. Hallelujah. How many of you are willing to look at the mirror? How many of you are willing to look at the mirror and say, God, it's me. Change me. Change me. 